0: this week on Missions Today.
1: We just got back from Rome about a month ago. We had 101 women come as our guests. I think they came from about 34 different countries and 46 different agencies. And so for them to come to an event like that, where there's women from other sending agencies. And we're very intentional when they're put in small groups to put them at a table where there's no one else from their agency so that they can feel safe to share what's really going on and just find a community that's gonna pray for them. And so our goal is that they interact with each other so that they feel seen and known and heard
0: helping women serving around the globe feel connected. That's the mission of this week's guest. I am Colin Lambert, and this is Missions Today from Resource Global. All over the world, women are serving the Lord in challenging work. From the jungles of Brazil to Muslim-dominated cities in the Middle East, women are taking the gospel of Jesus to the ends of the earth. Our guest today, Lori Lindgren, serves as the CEO of Thrive Ministry an organization that exists to journey with women ministering overseas by providing spiritual resources, transformative experiences, and authentic one-on-one relationships to replenish them as they invest in kingdom work. They work with hundreds of sending agencies and have impacted thousands of women's lives already. Helping women serving overseas thrive. That's the topic this week on Missions Today. Lori, thanks for being with us. Tell me a bit about Thrive.
1: We've been a ministry for 26 years, but it came out of the heart to care for women who are serving cross-culturally around the world and just realizing that they are in a unique spot and needing support for that. So we are providing the resources so that they can stay on the field and share the good news around the world.
0: I love that. And we're going to talk more details about how you actually do that day in and day out, but I want to get a little bit of your story. Tell us a little bit about your growing up years and your faith journey.
1: So I actually grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a church planning pastor. And so we actually moved around every three or four years doing that. So I traveled a lot in the Midwest, but you know, always having cross-cultural workers in our home. And so, and actually I have a family, extended family that are on the field as well. And so when my husband and I Got married, we were we have actually been in the same church for the last 48 years and been very involved in caring for our workers around the world. And so um, when Thrive was started, it actually was from my home church in the Denver area. And one of my friends was headed to the field and had this need in our own life to be connected with other women. And so because of my extensive background working with our own churches workers around the world. And then also I had worked in women's ministries in my home church setting for about 30 years, um, leading that and also on the leadership level in our denomination and leading women. So, you know, God just used those um, experiences in my own life of working with women and having a heart for missions To connect my heart to Thrive.
0: I want to take a moment to uh, kind of talk through the basics of Thrive. Uh, I know that you are engaged with gatherings. You're engaged with kind of care on the field. Give us maybe the different areas of service that you provide to women who are serving overseas.
1: Well, when we began 26 years ago, we started by publishing a hard copy magazine, and both the name of the magazine and the ministry at the beginning were called Women of the Harvest. And so it started with that hard copy magazine. Oh, we just had women on the field writing about their own experiences and what was it that they face on a daily basis and how God was growing them in their own faith journey. And so we had these articles written by women of all ages, all different lengths of time on the field, single women, married women, and um, just a place to be real about that and and show God's faithfulness, but not having to put on this faith um, of just of what I think we all look at. They, they feel like they're put on a pedestal. And there's these expectations of how productive they are in sharing the gospel and how many people are coming to know Jesus. And so this is a place where they can have their heart heard. And um, be real about what some of the challenges are. So um, a couple of years into publishing the magazine, our founder was actually working over in the Stans area. And she said, you know, I think another way that we could really care for these women working around the world is to have a retreat where they can come and be cared for spiritually, physically, emotionally, because they are just giving, giving, giving all the time. So how can we pour into them so that they can be strengthened on the field? So we held that first in-person retreat in Istanbul, Turkey back in 1998 and realized how well that fit our mission to just support these women while they're serving around the world. That ministry has now grown. So today we have been in 67 different locations all around the world hosting retreats to care for them in an in-person way. And so Then we had both the magazine that was going and the in-person retreats. Of course, when COVID happened a few years ago and we couldn't travel, that is when we birthed our online ministry that we called Gather. And so we were hoping to have about 100 women join us for this event around the world. That first gather, I think we had over 450. And so that has been just a powerful new program for us to be able to meet these women right where they are in their homes. One other area that we serve for them, as I have been interacting with these women over the 18 years that I have been in leadership, we have found out that their number one need is to be cared for, uh, to be mentored spiritually themselves. And so as we've been praying about how we could meet that need, we launched a new uh, ministry area that we call Thrive Alongside. And within that program area, we pair them with a volunteer in the US that it wants to serve them either as a mentor or a life coach or a spiritual director. And so we are just moving out of the soft launch stage of that program. And I'm ready to fully market that. So to date, we have already served over 300 women where they are paired in those one-on-one relationships. So they can be served in that way. So those are kind of the different areas of focus that we have.
0: I love that. I love to see the care that's taking place. In fact, this week and next week, we're spending time talking about care for people on the field. So this is a perfect fit for discussing how we care for people. I want to back way up if I might just for a moment to your time at this local church, you said you had already been doing care for some people before you actually were ever even involved. Why did you get involved in that? How did it start? How did you become aware that there were needs of these folks serving in the field?
1: Well, I in my denomination and this was true I think in many other denominations, years ago, part of the women's ministries of a local church was to care for their female workers overseas. In my denomination, it was called WMS. And so I know that we have in other denominations, they had different names, but it was, we wanted to read the letters. This goes way back when our workers would send us letters and give us updates on their ministry so that we could just pray for them. We had a very practical arm called White Cross, where we knew our workers were working in mission in uh, hospitals in the Congo, and they couldn't survive without us sending them what they needed for bandages, for surgeries, all those kinds of things. So I actually raised my kids understanding the needs for these workers overseas, how we can pray for them, how we can provide for their practical needs. So when... Women of the Harvest was started uh, by two of my friends in my home church, I was very aware of what they were doing and getting a subscription to the magazine so that I could be a part of praying for them. So that's kind of a little bit of that history.
0: I I love that. Uh, Let's talk for a moment about some of those needs. Uh, You've used that word several times, and I'm sure that all people serving overseas have needs related to where they're stationed, uh, the you know limits on uh, different products that they need. You mentioned bandages and things like that. Obviously, all of them need prayer, but I know this ministry focuses specifically on women. So talk for a moment, what are some of those over the years that you've been involved, what would you say are some of those top things that women specifically serving overseas are in need of?
1: I think we're all aware of the differences of men and women in that very general category. And women really have a need to connect with one another, to be in relationship, to have a a girlfriend that they can just talk things through. And so you think of women working in a very remote area and they um, going in to do translation work, or whatever it is, and when you move to another culture and you're having to learn the culture, learn the language, uh, you might be part of a team, you might not be part of a team. Even if you are part of a team, you don't get to choose those women that are on your team and you just might not necessarily click with them. So who is it that can be that soulmate for you? So um, how can they be known? I would say some of the top needs that we hear are just isolation loneliness, depression, you know, if you don't have the ability to interact with other people in your heart language to have those deep friendships. And so then you have um, other needs of helping women navigate. What is the role of a woman on their team? How does that work? Do you have teammates that are from other cultures? Because that is so common today to have a teammate up couples or families or individuals from multiple cultures so how do you fit within that what is your role as a woman for some of those women they have young children and they're focused on raising their children they often feel like what am i doing for spreading the gospel when i need to focus on my children is this just my husband's work and how do i fit into that or maybe their children are launching And so now how do they get to engage more in the ministry role of it? How do they nurture their marriages? You know, they have this this huge burden to share the gospel where they are. And so um, many are working with HIV patients and you are seeing death regularly. How do you take time away from that work to care for your own soul? and care for yourself physically, because, you know, people will literally be dying if you are not there doing your job. And so that workaholism and the challenge to really protect their self-care, their soul care, and um, to stay healthy physically and emotionally and spiritually in order to do the work that God's given them to do.
0: You said you began these uh, retreats in 1998 and All these years later now, 67 of those in many different countries. What has been the response of these women serving overseas to the uh, things that you're providing them through these retreats?
1: So uh, we just got back from Rome about a month ago. We had 101 women come as our guests. I think they came from about 34 different countries and 46 different agencies. And so for them to come to an event like that, where there's women from other sending agencies and we're very intentional when they're put in small groups to put them at a table where there's no one else from their agency so that they can feel safe to share what's really going on and just find a community that's gonna pray for them. And so um, our goal is that they interact with each other so that they feel seen and known and heard. And usually at the end of those retreats, I'll have three or four women say to me, you know, Lori, I was ready to leave the field, but being here in, these are my peeps. These are the women who understand what it takes to move overseas and to be able to share the gospel here. And just by being heard And prayed for by them, the Lord has renewed my call and I'm ready to go back. So that's what our goal is, to fight the attrition rate, to help these women feel connected and have a place where they feel known and cared for and prayed
0: for. To me, that really seems like one of the key pieces of missions care today is just dealing with people who are burned out and ready to just give it all up, yet they have been called by the Lord to this work it's it's such a challenge i've so many of the missionaries i've talked to have talked about those moments of just wondering why i'm here how long is it going to go this negative direction maybe if things haven't turned out like i like or or people have been called off the field who thought they were going to spend their lives on the field just so many ups and downs but it sounds like you all have found a way to connect with them maybe before the fallout happens
1: well that's certainly our goal and so during those four days that they're with us our goal is that they're going to be prayed for individually seven or eight times and so every time they're meeting with one of our volunteers or they're in their small group they are being prayed for and you know what that it's just a miraculous thing that happens in their hearts when they feel known and cared for like that.
0: You mentioned the fact that you are in partnership with hundreds of mission sending agencies. Talk about the importance of those relationships.
1: Today, we um, have direct contacts with over 700 different sending agencies. So obviously that has grown over the years. And I, I like to keep in direct contact with the leadership, the CEO and the member care departments of about the top 50 agencies. And we just have great relationships with them. You know, they realize that we can serve their women in a unique way that they can't. They might do their own events, often for couples, but sometimes for just the women But it's different when they get to be in this setting with women from other agencies. And praise God, those walls, those boundaries that we used to to talk about decades ago, um, those have come down. And the agencies now want to be working together towards fulfilling the Great Commission. And so their leadership gives blessings like we realize when they're with Thrive They can be in that safe space to just be honest about the things that are going on with them. And they know that everything's held in confidentiality. Nothing's going to go up the ladder. And, you know, that is just something we hear across the board, that they need that safe space. And so agencies are often recommending to their women you need to go to a Thrive Retreat and be cared for that way. And so even the, we did our, our virtual gathering event was about two weeks ago. And we had just under 200 women that were with us that week. And for each one of those, we invite the leadership of all of these major agencies, would they just give a 30-second blessing, I record that blessing, and we put together a video montage of that, and we play that during our opening session. And the women just have tears going down their face, even if it's not their CEO, but they're hearing from leadership, we are giving our blessing that you take time for self-care and soul care, and we believe in that. You know, may you just be blessed. May the Lord meet you in this time with Thrive. And so um, we are just so grateful for those relationships with this with the sending agencies.
0: I'm sure that you've been doing some form of mentoring all along, but I love the fact that you are beginning this kind of official effort to come alongside these women with mentoring. uh, For those you've begun that process with, how have they responded to that?
1: Uh, Really, really well. And so uh, because we've been in the soft launch stage, we have been limiting their mentor relationships to about a year. And then if they want to continue that, they can kind of do that off the grid, so that our volunteer can take on another woman. But I tell you what, the most popular one right now, out of mentoring, life coaching, and spiritual direction, is spiritual direction. But really, our goal is just just pray with them and help them hear the Lord's voice and see where's the Holy Spirit leading you in this particular situation, and um, those relationships too just can go on. For a long time to and so for life coaches and spiritual direction of course those are professional careers where those um, they usually charge a fee for that but everything thrive provides is free of charge to these women so we want to be an expression of the christian community that we are here to provide all these resources for them free of charge As an expression of our gratitude that they have chosen to represent us all around the world to share the gospel.
0: In the moments we have left, I'd love if you could talk for a moment to that person who's listening today who's in a church maybe that doesn't have a lot of active mission work going on, or maybe they do, and they've never heard about this concept of mission care, and the Lord is pricking their heart that they could be part of the care system for people that have either gone out from their church or ministries that they connect with? Talk for a moment to that person today.
1: Well, I have so many examples of women that are volunteering with us that were in that exact situation. I think of one woman in a church of about 50 in West Texas, and um, she started getting our prayer guides, and she asked her church, can we just pray these on Sunday morning? And so it began this prayer movement within her little church, and they are now giving as a church $30,000 to advance the gospel. And this all began just about six or seven years ago, and the impact she's had in this tiny little country church. We have multiple ways. I have a handout that we call our member care quiz that we give to both churches and sending agencies who think they might be doing a good job of caring for their workers, but we have these questions that we can provide in order to help them just assess where they are. We also have brochures that we can send a flyer for churches specifically to help them with that. But, you know, I'm going to give you a couple of very practical things. Number one, most of our workers now are sending digital newsletters. So when you get those in your email inbox, just hit reply and let them know you read it. They spend days trying to make sure that they do a good job of of sharing their story with you. And if they give a prayer request, just say, hey, I'm praying for you. I know you need a new printer in your office. I'm praying that God's going to provide that or whatever it is. The other thing is we all give financially, but think about just asking them, is there a specific prayer request or giving them an extra hundred dollars? Uh, This year and saying, go out and have a special dinner together, you know, as a couple or go do something fun with your family, let them know that you know they are people just like us and they need to invest in their marriages in their relationships with their kids, whatever, so. Treat them how you would want to be treated, to to be cared for in that way.
0: As uh, folks are hearing about the incredible ministry that you have going, impacting women in cross-cultural situations overseas, uh, hundreds and thousands ultimately over time, how can we best pray for you and your organization in these days? Oh,
1: thank you. Well, we have just approved a three-year strategic growth initiative that we are implementing this year. And um, wanting to provide, uh, bring on another staff person that can serve as a pastoral care, um, just even on staff, because we are starting more and more community groups are happening through our ministry. And so wanting to provide more uh, regional activities for them and things like that. So uh, just as we move forward in that, we would love to have you join our 30 days of prayer team so you can find all of this on our website, which is just ThriveMinistry.org. But before each in-person retreat, we have a 30-day prayer guide for each retreat. And we for each day, it's only like a four or five sentence paragraph. But it will help you pray for different aspects um, for workers on the field and things that even though you've been involved for years caring for these workers, you will have new ideas of ways that you can pray for them. So that's a very practical way.
0: Such good practical advice for us today from our guest, Lori Lindgren of Thrive Ministry. My thanks to Lori and we'll connect you to Lori and Thrive in today's podcast notes. Now, today's conversation was the first of two I'll be sharing on this topic of mission care. Next week, we're going to start a two-part program with a man who was a missionary in the Philippines with his family and received tremendous care from his congregation, so much so that he started a ministry to help churches do just that. His stories are powerful, and I hope you'll join us the next two weeks for that conversation. Well, before we run out of time today, I'd just like to share eight things you can do for those serving in the field. A couple of them have already been mentioned by Lori. I'll repeat those and add a few more. This is from an article I found from Resonate Global Missions Online. Number one, communicate with the people in the field. The mission field can be a lonely place. Keep those lines of communication open. Second, and you heard Lori talk about this, Read the prayer letters or newsletters, whatever they send out, and respond to them, the most important part. As Lori talked about it, she talked about how long they spend preparing these letters. I've had missionary friends who've agonized over how much to put in, what negative, what positive, what about needs, what do I include pray for them and let them know you're praying for them about what they've sent to you in their regular prayer or newsletters. Number three, be a listening ear. Don't talk about yourself when you talk to them or all your stuff. Ask questions and allow them to talk about their stuff. Number four, let them know you're a safe space where they can share things they need to. Being in the field, it's tough, and sometimes they need to just get things off their chest. Number five, provide for their physical needs, especially if they've listed something in their newsletter, see what you can do to fill it. If they need a printer, let's try to get that printer to them. What a great way to help. Number six, and this is unique, but sounds fun to me. Visit them. So many missionaries have been overcome by the fact that families or people or individuals or staff members have actually made an effort to come visit them and see their work. Number seven, be gracious to their kids. Though the parents have chosen this life, the children haven't necessarily. So let's give them some grace. And number eight, form teams within your church that will serve these folks in the field in very specific ways. We do have ways to help men and women serving all over the world through some of these or all of these eight different methods. Again, that's all the time we have for this week. Next week, we'll be talking with Jeff Jackson about that organization he started because he was so well-treated in the field. And boy, some other amazing stories about his life as well. I hope you'll join us for that. It's helpful when you subscribe to the podcast, rate it, and leave a review on iTunes. Hope to see you here next week for more of Missions Today, a production of Resource Global.